Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Dustin Hawkinsmith and Johnny McGonigal. Welcome in. It's the Blue White Breakdown. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. That's Johnny McGonigal right there. And Johnny, I think this this completes my I'm hitting for the cycle now. I'm filling in for somebody different. Each of the last three, four weeks. Now I'm filling in for Bob, who's out on assignment. Uh, we're going to talk about the latest in Penn State football. And um, really the the big thing is, and it's crazy to say that in the class of 2026, it's the biggest news from the weekend, but it is. Uh, Messiah Mickens, who's a four-star running back from Trinity High School in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Uh, 24-7 Sports conveniently just came out with their 2026 class rankings and Messiah Mickens is number 30 in the country in those rankings, number one in Pennsylvania. What do you make of this? And I, to me, I thought like the coach's reaction, like they can't say anything specific, but these guys were really excited about Messiah committing. So to me, that said something about how they feel about him and where they think he's going to go over the next three years of high school that he still has ahead of him. Yeah, and both sets of coaches. Like obviously Penn State's coaches can't tweet or mention him specifically because he's still a commit. Uh, it's funny, Dustin, whenever there's – and it's kind of a trial by fire situation uh, for some young reporters, sometimes student publications or whatever, blogs, that sometimes they'll ask coaches and about certain recruits. And they're like, yeah, we can't really talk about that guy, but let's work around it a little bit. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Messiah Mickens comes up in some capacity over the next few weeks uh, from one of – from one of those deals. But so these coaches, Penn State, you know, James Franklin and Jaywan Sider can't specifically talk about Messiah Mickens, but they can tweet about how excited they are that they got to commit. And, and Jaywan did that. And what a run it's been for him, the running backs coach at Penn State. To, and we're going to talk about the guys that obviously Penn State has in this room right now, but upcoming over the next few years. Uh, it's a big commitment to get in the 26th class, which, uh, you know, <laughs> It just feels old to talk, you know, for us, uh, you know, to, to talk about the 2026 class. Like that's not a real year yet in my mind. It's like one of those where the you know, Penn State schedule so and so for 2028. It's like, what are we doing here? But um, a, a really good get, obviously, for Penn State and, and a local player uh, from Trinity, a uh, player who had all these different schools after him already uh, after a great freshman season, and yeah, just continuing that long line of running back, uh, running backs uh, for Penn State. Uh, in state specifically, because you look at Saquon and Miles Sanders and Nick Singleton, uh, they've got, um, oh, geez, Bell Vernon's uh, Quentin Martin on the way in the 24 class. So um, a great get and a good situation for him, too, to be an hour and a half away you know, from from home. Yeah, and just to, to kind of summarize, our guy Brian Linder from Penn Live covers high schools in the area, high school football specifically. He talked to Jordan Hill, who's obviously a, a former Penn State player and a really well-respected former Penn State player, I would add. 
Uh, Mike Maudie is uh, has joined Trinity's coaching staff for the year ahead as the defensive coordinator. So there are some Penn State connections there. But to summarize what Brian, uh, when he caught up with Jordan about this, is that you know Jordan was was kind of preaching to this kid like you got to see everybody, you got to see everything, you got to talk to everybody, you know the due diligence thing. But um, he was pretty adamant about this, and in the end, Jordan basically said like this was the right thing for him to do and the right time for him to do it. And he said the timing of it was that he does want to be that leader and help establish, you know, the the best group of of players he can in that 26 class. So this is a kid who wants to lead that recruiting effort, which probably says something about him. Now, if he says that now and he flips in six months, you know, like th- they maybe take that with a grain of salt. But it seems like, you know, hearing what Jordan Hill has to say and and things like that, like this is a pretty solid commitment, as solid as you can get uh, in state. Uh, Penn State's his dream school uh, with with the coaching staff at Trinity that has strong Penn State ties. Um, it seems like a pretty legitimate uh, commitment from him now in 2026. And, you know, the things to know about him as a player, you know, right now, uh, before he even begins his sophomore season at Trinity, five foot ten, about 200, 205 pounds. Like he is running back size right now. And, and Jordan Hill seems to believe that he's going to be a bit bigger by the time he leaves there. And uh, he's got a uh, special ability that that was pretty apparent early. I think he rushed for almost a thousand yards as a freshman. Uh, he's a pretty special kid. And from what I saw, you know, he's a really natural runner. I didn't see a lot of, you know, jump cut kind of that type of flair, but that kind of one cut and get up field thing. He seems like a really natural runner, seems like a really natural athlete. His highlight reel from his freshman year has not only him, you know, breaking big runs, obviously, but. Uh, in pass protection, blocking downfield, and working as a receiver where he looks pretty natural as well. So it's like the combination of things like it, you know, for him to put that in in, in his film, I thought kind of speaks to his connection to the running back position and probably says, you know, like not only is this kid really talented, it just looks like he's got his head in the right place. As much as you can say that about a kid who's just a sophomore now. Yeah, exactly. And and we talked about this right before hitting record on this podcast, Dustin, like, we both got to get out and see him at some point. Uh, just looking at the highlight, you know, real is you can get a lot from that, but you can't get everything from that. But we're hoping to get out uh, to a Trinity game at some point, whether it's this season or next season, How, however the Penn State schedule shakes out if we're able to do that. Um, one thing that you mentioned in there, though, that I just don't want to – it shouldn't get overlooked because obviously he's a great player when you have Alabama, Ohio State, those schools, as well as Penn State, obviously – after you at such a young age, you, you're doing something right. Um, but the part of this where he's the first member of the class and, and he's able to establish himself as a leader uh, of the class, you know, I look at what Cooper Cousins has done in a 24 class, and um, so many guys have talked about him being someone who stepped up early. Um, and you look at even going back, I believe Sean Clifford was the first member of his recruiting class, or at least he recruited or he committed really early. Uh, and those guys are so valuable, um, especially, you know, in in Messiah's case, you know, in Cooper's case, like an in-state kid, uh, to be able to, you know, sell the program to other recruits. And uh, it only helps when you're, an, you know, a guy that Alabama and Ohio State and all these schools want as well, that you, know, you can go ahead to the other recruits and say, hey, join us, you know, join this class, you see what they're doing, you see, you know, right now with the timing of it, two weeks before the season starts, or a week or so, whatever we are, a week and a half, two weeks away, 
uh, from a super, you know, highly anticipated season for Penn State. Uh, it's going to be highly anticipated in 2024 as well with all this young talent that they have and the recruiting class that they've already assembled and will continue to piece, you know, put the final touches on in 24. Uh, and you know they're doing work in 25 as well. So just the ball is just rolling in a really good direction right now uh, for Penn State on the recruiting trail from a program perspective. And uh, this is just another feather in you know, James Franklin's cap, but also Jaywan's side of the running backs coach. And um, yeah, it's it's a really good run that they're on right now. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, th- no disrespect to Cooper Cousins, and you can be a leader as an offensive lineman. But yeah, yeah. if you're going to be looking at maybe the number one running back in America and a, a franchise running back type guy, I mean, that seems to me to elicit a little bit more enthusiasm from other skill positions and stuff like that. You can see yourself, especially when you look at and we'll touch on what they've been doing in terms of recruiting at the running back position, because it's been pretty remarkable. Um, you, you can you can be a leader. Uh, and if you have that leadership quality, it doesn't matter what position you play, but then also the excitement of joining, you know, to be a, a five-star running back potentially in a couple of years, that's going to have a draw to it for everybody. Um, and speaking of just the, the running back recruiting, you know, the, the surprise to me, and we'll get into the names that have, have joined up uh, the run they all they're currently on, but the surprise to me is that there was a disruption in running back recruiting and not that they're on this hot streak now. And the disruption really came down to, you know, 2020, Journey Brown, I thought, was going to have a massive year. I thought he was going to have a massive year before he got that heart condition. And, you know, the position regressed a bit, obviously, um, as a result of that. Uh, and I think you had a couple guys who could be considered sort of misses around that time, like Devin Ford and Kaziah Holmes, who transferred. Kevon Lee was, he filled in nicely in 2020, but he, he I don't think he was re- ever really going to be a franchise guy. Yeah, he had his moments here and there, but not not what you would have hoped uh, when he had signed in the class. So then they get uh, you know Nick Singleton and Katron Allen in the twenty two class, and that looked great on paper, but it's looked even better uh, on on a football field. And you get into two thousand twenty three, and uh, you know London Montgomery and and uh, and and Cam what's it, Cam Wallace uh, from from Georgia. Yeah, wasn't you know the the best haul, I would say, especially when London Montgomery was hurt. But now you look at 24 and Quentin Martin, who is the best player in Pennsylvania. You spoke of him earlier. Real dual threat, runner, receiver. Corey Smith is a four-star from Wisconsin, uh, a running back in that class. In 2025, uh, Keandre Baker, who's from what Texas, uh, is is a really desired uh, four-star runner there. And now you've got 2026 covered. This pipeline at running back is in really good hands. Like, especially when you look at like what they have in 2023 and how good it is, all those guys in all likelihood will be back again in 2024. Like there's not really a a real break in the action. It would seem. No, not at all. And I I just remember going back to, I guess it was probably the off season in between 2016 and 17. And even after the 2017 season where, you know, recruiting, you know, uh, on the uh, on National Signing Day, whether it was in December or February when we were, you know, we would talk to James Franklin. Um, there were questions about, hey, you know, Saquon Barkley and the profile that he has not only within the Penn State community in the Big Ten, but nationally and what Miles Sanders was able to do in his sole season as a starter. You know, how does that help you on the recruiting trail having you know, two guys like that now who are, you know, obviously in the NFL and doing very well for themselves, 
And then you look at now what they have in Nick Singleton and Catron Allen and the freshman seasons that they were able to you know put together, you know, making Big Ten history as, as a duo. And you know, Nick Singleton having that Rose Bowl run and that kind of season and the the hype and the expectations around those two, uh, and you know, obviously driving this team in a certain you know in a in a sense, um, that helps too. That really helps when you talk to you know Quentin Martin when I, I was able to sit down with him at Bell Vernon. And he was talking about Saquon and those guys, but he was also talking about Nick Singleton and the impact that he made, uh, not only as a high-profile running back, but as a kid from Pennsylvania. And so uh, you're able to continue this run. And like you said, there was a blip in there. Uh, But the way that they've been able to get things back on track, um, you'd be hard-pressed to find a school that is recruiting the running back position this well on a, you know, a three to four year stretch at this point. And yeah, you mentioned London Montgomery and Cam Wallace. I do think that they kind of found a diamond in the rough in Cam Wallace. We'll see what kind of role he might have uh, as a true freshman. You mentioned London Montgomery's uh, ACL injury uh, that kept him out of his senior season at Scranton prep. Uh, unfortunate timing for him, but you look at his junior film and, you know, they were obviously Penn state and anyone that watched him was super you know excited and thrilled with what he could be uh, as a runner. In a sense, you're thinking like when they got those two guys, it's like, all right, it might be tough to recruit the position when you know you have two freshmen like Nick Singleton and Katron Allen performing so well. And, you know, they're going to have two more seasons of eligibility. But the fact that you've got, you know, Quentin Martin that wants to come in in 24 and they're able to pluck Corey Smith from Wisconsin and now Barker in 25 and Masai in 26, like, you know, these guys are just, they, they see the, you know, they see the path of playing time that Nick Singleton and Katron Allen have let out. And 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 uh, and Saquon playing early as well. Uh, that you know, competition is is what you want if you're Jaywan Sider, and you can tell them, you can tell every every running back that you recruit, say, hey, you can come in here and make an impact right away. And that's what these kids want. Obviously, you want to be close to home, and you want to be you know, academics, and there's so much that goes into this. But for a lot of guys, it's the opportunity to play right away. Uh, and James Franklin has not shied away from that, especially last season, playing his freshman and playing him a lot. Uh, and that goes a long way. It goes a long way when you're recruiting the kind of caliber player that you want and when you're competing with the likes of Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan, and all those kind of schools on the recruiting trail. And it's it's not like it's going to – like the 23 season's only going to improve, I think, the recruiting pitch at running back because the way that I envision it starting out is that you're not going to ask Drew Aller to throw the ball 50 times a game, especially the types of games that they have early in the season. Uh, and then you look at what they've got on the offensive line, like running room should be more readily available now than we've seen it in a long time, theoretically, with the way the line looks. So you're going to lean on those two guys. You could have 2000 yard rushers this year. Like that's a, a really, you know, achievable thing for them. And I'll be curious to see where Trey Potts fits in. And we'll talk about, you know, the the other running backs um, in, in a minute. But if you're able to get three guys involved and you're able to have a lot of success, if you're able to kind of show that you're uh, getting these guys involved in the passing game as well, um, it, it says a lot. And, and you know, when you're going to recruit the position in big numbers, I think you need to use the position in big numbers. Like, I don't think now's the time to dominate carries with one guy, which they're, they're not. So I think, uh, I think the pitch gets stronger. My only question is like, especially when you talk about Messiah Mickens, is what's the threat level of Jaywan Sider not being around uh, in two, three years? Uh, and th- I don't think that automatically means the whole thing crumbles to the ground either. I think Penn State as a program has established that running back before, and they will after Jaywan Sider. But that, to me, that's the only thing that that means 
Messiah Mickens might change his mind as if coaches depart. Yeah, and look, there's a long time between now and whenever Messiah Mickens is going to put pen to paper and sign with Penn State. So not to imply that he's going to flip because he just committed a couple of days ago as we record this on Monday, but um, you, you never know. Uh, you never know how a, a coaching departure might affect a player. Uh, but I remember it was a couple of months ago or maybe a month and a half ago, or whatever it was, I was in Pittsburgh and uh, popped by Central Catholic to do stories on uh, Peter Gonzalez um, and Anthony Specca, uh, two, two big-time guys for Penn State in the 24 class. And uh, I asked Anthony Specca, linebacker, about Manny Diaz, and, and he gravitated towards Manny, and he talked so much about how much uh, help Manny has already given him in, in the film room and breaking down the linebacker position and learning more. And he mentioned, without me even asking, he said, look, if Manny Diaz is gone next year, uh, I, have a, I have all the faith in the world that James Franklin and the program will hire another really good defensive coordinator and a, and a you know, really good linebackers coach. Um, and I think that there's that there at least should be, um, or at least if you're James Franklin, you would hope that there is, uh, that baseline, that understanding where it's like, yeah, if, if Jay Wan ends up going somewhere for another job, like we saw with you know Charles Huff leaving, um, that the program is in a good enough spot that you're going to get a really good running backs coach or you know, whatever position that we're talking about here, if there's a kid that commits in 2025 or 2026 now, um, that there's an understanding that, yeah, that, that's a coaching you know, profession and that Penn State is in a really strong position, especially going into the season now, what they, what they hope to do, what I think they can do, uh, pushing for a college football playoff berth and a Big Ten title and all those things, uh, that they're going to be in a position to hire uh, the right guy if, you know, if and when that, that happens. Well, and, and it's crazy. Like, it's, it's, it's almost like the, the relationship between the two you know, the better your program is, the more prolific you are. And that includes at a, at a position level uh, at running back. If, if these guys are churning out running backs, Jaywan Sider probably should end up being a coordinator somewhere or whatever. I don't know what his ambition level is or whether he's, you know, good with this or, or whatever, but um, you, sh- you, your position coaches should be leaving. And so, uh, you know, the only constant and all that should be the head coach and uh, and what the program stands for and what they're looking for. So that's, that's a good point from uh, Anthony Specka. Um, the other running backs, we said, and really we talked about London Montgomery. We talked a little bit about Cam Wallace, um, Trey Potts, who, you know, I stand by the fact that I think he was the perfect arrival at the perfect time for Penn State. You needed somebody who had experience and was a veteran, but was also accepting of a third running back role in all likelihood. Uh, so to get Trey Potts, who's from Williamsport, spent time at Minnesota, showed some flashes, um, had some starting experience there, uh, arrives and I think solidifies this depth chart big time. You know, you think about like Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, if there's an injury and now you're leaning on Cam Wallace maybe to be a key part, you don't have to do that now. Um, but you you did a story this past week on you know, the other running backs. And I think it's a really timely look at, okay, you know who the big two are, what role are the rest of these guys going to play? Yeah. And Jay Sider, he spoke to us uh, last week uh, after a practice and he was asked of course about Nick and about Katron, but also about that, you know, that third running back spot, because it's kind of assumed that Trey Potts will be that guy uh, given his experience in the big 10 at Minnesota. And given that he's an older guy in the room, um, but I think there's going to be a real competition for snaps and, and for a role uh, there at, at, at number three because 
you know, I go back to what Jaywan said, you know, last week and even mentioned it back in June when we were able to speak to him up in State College, uh, talking about Trey Potts. And, you know, when Trey said that he wanted to come to Penn State, uh, Jaywan said, are you sure? Like, because we have two NFL backs. And let's be honest, like, those two are the bell cow guys. Those, they're, they drove Penn State to the Rose Bowl in 2022, and they're going to be a big part of whatever they do over the next couple seasons. Um, but Trey took on the challenge anyway. He wanted to come home. Uh, you know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't offered by Penn State out of, uh, out of Williamsport. And I go back to even the Minnesota whiteout game last fall and walking into the press box and you, you see all the fans around there, around, around Beaver Stadium. And there was like 10 or 12 people with like, you know, customized pots jerseys uh, for Minnesota. There's so much family and so many friends so close to Beaver Stadium for him to play in front of that. That was a real draw for him. Uh, on the Penn State end of it, like you mentioned, right place, right time, the perfect kind of guy to bring in uh, where you know it, he seemingly is accepting of, of the role that he's in. Uh, but he's a good enough back that he showed it at Minnesota when Mo Ibrahim went down that he stepped in and performed really well. So if Katron or Nick, you know, God forbid, if they get hurt, uh, you would – hope to feel confident in Trey stepping in and providing some kind of cover uh, for them. But Jaywan also mentioned last week that, you know, yes, he's an older presence and he's a, you know, a veteran in a sense of the big 10, but the offenses are totally different between Minnesota and Penn state. He's still learning that, uh, that you kind of have to treat him like a freshman sometimes still, because he's, you know, learning the different running schemes and all that. And he challenged Jaywan Sider challenges, you know, Cam Wallace and London Montgomery to come in and perform well and, and try to make an impact, an immediate impact, because, you know, he, he pointed to Nick and Catron and said, those guys did it. They came in, you know, last fall or, you know, last August and um, and really made a push for time and were obviously the guys. Uh, so they challenge, you know, he challenges Cam Wallace and London Montgomery to do the same. Now, are they going to get on the field like Nick and Catron did last year? No. Um, but can they have a role? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's an interesting, just something to keep in mind because we talk all the time, obviously quarterback, right tackle, uh, middle linebacker, I think is an interesting spot, uh, for Penn state this fall with Kobe Kane, Tyler Elston. Um, there's some, you know, key position battles that are being worked out starter position battles being worked out, but number three running back is something to keep an eye on. Um, as you know, as we wrap up preseason camp here and then, you know, filter into the season, you know, the first few weeks of the year, see who's standing out. I'll say, uh, looking back at that, I think it was the 2019 season, the one through five, the pecking order changed tremendously from beginning of year to the end. Now, obviously this is a different scenario, but the three, four, five, I think maybe could be viewed as a potentially fluid concept. Uh, what's London Montgomery. What, I mean, is, is he like, I don't think anybody, I saw anybody really say for sure, but is he, Pretty much a hundred percent at this point. So I wasn't able to be at the open practice that um, that Penn State had, uh, but from what I've gathered, I think he's he's practicing. So that's good. I mean, the timeline makes sense because he missed his entire senior season. Uh, I do remember back in June, Jaywan was saying like, "Hey, he's still kind of working his way back." Um, but yeah, so he he is an opportunity uh, to to latch on, and so it's it's really. It's him, Cam, and, and Trey. Because you, and, and it's funny, though, because you look at last season, um, it was an obvious need for them to get Trey in and to, ha- and to get two running backs in that 2023 recruiting class. Because you mentioned Kaziah Holmes earlier and Devin Ford and Kevon Lee. They all transferred out. And at one point last season, you know, after Devin Ford left the team in October, Holmes transferred out. 
um, in August. And, you know, Kevon Lee was like, yeah, he's practicing, warming up, but he's not playing. Like Tank Smith, a walk-on, was the third running back last season. And so with a season with this high of expectations and what you want to accomplish, uh, you need you needed a Trey Potts to get in there. And you needed to get two freshman running backs in there. So I think they're in a really good spot right now, not just in you know for this upcoming season, but for next season, because Trey Potts, this isn't like a rental situation. He's got two years of eligibility. Obviously, Cam Wallace and uh, Lana Montgomery have four years, five years, depending on if they redshirt, which uh, you know they might. You know, if, if if Penn State's in a situation where they can get them some run in the Delaware game and the UMass game, and if they don't have to use them, I think they won't. Um, Cam Wallace is one to keep an eye on, though, because uh, you know Jaywan really harped on in June about how he feels like they that he was that he was overlooked coming out of Georgia, only a three star prospect. Um, but he's a runner; he, he make guys miss in space. And as Penn State tries to use the running back position more in the passing game, I think that's where Cam Wallace might be able to make uh, make his hay at, at least initially. Um, and and maybe it's only in four games, but show some flashes and, and put some good good film on tape going into the 2024 and then eventually 2025 season. This is the Blue White Breakdown. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Team captains, that the that announcement was made over the weekend too. We knew Olu Fashano, Keaton Ellis, and Dom DeLuca. Now the three more added were Adisa Isaac, Theo Johnson, Malik Mega. And I assume um there's just a special teams presence in, in the leadership here. But was there anything that jumped out to you about about these guys? And you think about like Theo Johnson had a, had a little brush with, uh, you know, university police or whatever. And uh, Malik Mega isn't the the big brand name. Domino DeLuca was a former walk-on. Like, these guys come from, you know, different walks of life to be in these leadership roles. Yeah, and look, after, you know, after the blue-white game, James named those first three, uh, Fashanu, Ellis, and DeLuca. DeLuca was maybe the surprising one of those three at the time. Uh, but, you know, he was put on scholarship in January and played a big role for them last season, you know, chipping in at linebacker, but primarily on special teams and showing up there. So that wasn't necessarily that big of a surprise. Uh, Adisa Isaac, you know, he was uh, along with Ellis and Olu, uh, you know, a representative for Penn State at Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis in July. That wasn't a surprise. Theo Johnson, like you mentioned, a little brush with, uh, you know, uh, I guess it was a, a fight at a fret. Um, we'll see if there's any, um, you know, in terms of suspension or game, you know, any, any kind of discipline, uh, there in the West Virginia game. I don't know that there will be, 
um, something that maybe they they handled internally and feel like they they did their due diligence there. But Theo is a guy that constantly came up throughout the offseason as a leader for this team, you know, from Drew Aller to Nick Singleton to uh, Olu. These guys, you know, because there's so many leaders that have gone, like they have six new captains. You know, Sean Clifford was a four-year captain. Jonathan Sutherland was a four-year captain last year for them. So replacing six captains and seeing Theo in there, um, you know, if you if you just read the news clipping, you think maybe not. Uh, but if you listen to the players throughout the offseason, it's not a surprise uh, at all, uh, given you know what they've said about him and his leadership and what he's brought to the locker room. Uh, and then Malik Mega, it's that's an interesting one because you know a few months ago when you're looking at you know after spring camp when the portal opens up and you're thinking okay it's kind of a crowded receiver room there are some guys in there whether they're you know going into their sophomore junior seasons or even you know fourth seasons uh, haven't made the impact that maybe they would have wanted on the offensive end but Malik has been such a valuable piece for them on the special teams end of it uh, to see him uh, get that recognition, I think will probably be good for him uh, and his confidence going into the season. Obviously, he wants to make more of an impact on the offensive side of the ball and break through in what is still a crowded and still kind of up in the air receiver room, uh, you know, beyond the first two, three guys. Uh, but he's going to have a role in special teams. So that's that's good to see for him as well. And I think, you know, just from a personality standpoint, to have um, somebody who Surely wants more of a role on the offensive side, but takes a great amount of pride in the special teams that, that they play. Uh, you can probably maybe say the same about Dom DeLuca, but that's Malik Mega too. And I think, you know, having guys who take pride in those little things is, I'm sure, good. And I, and I really feel like team leadership is a really important thing this year because, you know, it's been a long time since they've had this level of expectation. Uh, I think there there's there's got to be a tone set that, they're very businesslike about what they're doing, um, consistency with what they're doing to be able to be more immune to, you know, the emotional highs and lows that, that can come along with being a real contender. So I, I feel like this group, um, it's an important group and it's, and it's new. Like, I, and I think, you know, they, they've got a, a good group of guys, it would seem, but um, their role is important. I feel like I feel like it's important every year, but team leadership is going to be to steady this ship. Absolutely. And especially when you have young pieces on the offense and defense that uh, you look at quarterback Drew Aller and talking to him at a media day a couple weeks ago uh, at Beaver Stadium. Yeah, he had mentioned Sean Clifford you know, being such a, a, a heavy presence, not only in the quarterback room, but in the program overall during his time. And had mentioned, you know, Sean Clifford having his voice like a Sean Clifford voice. And I asked Drew, I'm like, do you feel like you are developing you know, that Sean Clifford voice. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just picking my spots here and there. He kind of understands that he's, you know, going to be, you know, James Franklin hasn't named him the starter yet, but he's going to be a first year starting quarterback on this team. And he's deferring to Olu and Theo and, you know, Keandre Lambert Smith, even Liam Clifford, you know, some of these guys, um, older players, Hunter Norzad uh, in the offensive meeting rooms and everything. So he's still deferring like Nick Singleton, uh, you know, laughed when I said like, hey, are you comfortable with this? Are you comfortable with all the interviews and the attention and uh, and your place on the team as, as one of the best players on the team from a leadership standpoint? And he said he's getting there. You know, he, he again, like he feels like right now he's still leading by example, but he, he feels like he will get there, but he's not there yet. And so you need the Olus and the Theos and, and those those captains, those leaders uh, to really step up and um you know, look, if you have you know a situation where week three you're at Illinois, which is a tough team, and 
I, I fully expect Penn State to win that game and probably do so handily. But you know, if you find yourself in a tough spot uh, in that game or you know in the Iowa game, you know, early in the season, you're going to need the Olus and the Theos and you know Malik and uh, Dom DeLuca to to voice their opinions and step up. And uh, especially if Drew and Nick and those younger Abdul Carter and those younger players aren't quite there. Yet. Uh, one final thing I wanted to touch on, and I do feel like it's one of the it's an under it's an under the radar item of significance, I think, uh, was Terry Smith talking about King Mac, who's the freshman safety who's been called by multiple people, some form of explosive. You know, you know about him being a, a state track champion in the state of Florida. Um, he, he was a top 50 player, depending on where you look, top 75 type player in the in the 23 class. Um, so you knew he was talented, but the the thing that was significant with to me was that Terry Smith saying he looks like he might be Penn State's next next Nickelback, and I realize you haven't had to think about the nickel position in a long time because Daquan Hardy has been such a constant there. But you know King Mac, um, you know potentially being that next guy, uh, the versatility to to be that um, it looks like probably getting a green light. So I wanted to. Um, you know, get your thoughts on King Mac, the player, and what to expect from him, what his role could be. But also, if you could update me on who you think is in the green light category from this freshman class as we get into these final days of camp here. Yeah, King Mac's a guy who he was not here for spring camp. So him arriving uh, when he did in the summer, putting on weight, they were really impressed with what he did in the weight room uh, prior to preseason camp, prior to training camp. and. He's shown the, the the coaching staff everything that they've wanted to see out of him as a freshman already. You mentioned Terry Smith. Uh, he was talking alongside, you know, Jay Wansider last week with us um, after a, a practice and said that he's explosive. He can run. He loves football. And anytime you have a passion for the game like he does, you're going to be successful. And he said he's going to make an impact with us rather quickly. And a veteran coach like Terry Smith doesn't say that if he doesn't mean it. Um, so I fully expect King Mac, whether he's getting a lot of run on special teams or you know, if he's working in to that nickel position, uh, because it's crowded at safety. They've got four starter quality players in Keaton Ellis, Zaki Wheatley, Jalen Reed, uh, and KJ Winston competing for two spots. Um, so I wouldn't expect him to break into that group at safety, but he can certainly play uh, at nickel, spelling you know Daquan Hardy or even later in games and getting him that experience. Um, so I fully expect King Mack will be a green light guy. Tony Rojas at linebacker uh, after the kind of spring that he put together and he's doing it again in preseason camp. You know he is a real opportunity to break into the two deep uh, at outside linebacker. So I would put him in that category as well. And Elliot Washington um, after. You know, again, the spring that he had at corner, he's another guy who could compete for time at nickel um, and even at outside corner if they needed him because you've got Kalen King, Johnny Dixon. Uh, but then after that, you know, they had you know, Marquise Wilson leave, Storm Duck, you know, had a cup of coffee uh, with the team before transferring you know, from North Carolina to Penn State and then, and then seeing the writing on the wall a little bit uh, and leaving for Louisville. I think Cam Miller was a part of that, uh, was a factor in that and his emergence at corner, but Elliot, Elliot Washington as well. So those three, Washington, Rojas, and Mack, I think are firm green light guys. Andrew Rappel yet tight end might be, but 
again, he's a guy that you would like to keep his red shirt if you can. Khalil Dinkins is really impressing uh, at tight end uh, and seems to have a firm hold of that number three job behind Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. And so while Penn State uses their tight ends a lot, uh, I don't think in an ideal world, if they can get away with not burning uh, Andrew Rapoliez's red shirt, I think they will try to get away with that if they can. But he's just another one to watch as well. And then I mentioned Cam Wallace. Uh, if if you have an injury at running back um, and if Trey Potts isn't getting it done or if you just want a different look or a different kind of player in there, uh, Cam Wallace, I feel like, could work his way in. Um, Javen Williams, too, because he is in that conversation at tackle. He's the understudy right now to Olu. We saw last year, you know, Drew Shelton had to burn his red shirt because Olu got hurt. Uh, and so if Olu gets hurt again or say you have you know Shelton or Caden Wallace at right tackle get injured, I think Javen Williams would be that would be that next guy. And so that's the that's the crew I'm looking at, Dustin. But I think there's three firm green lights and then a couple of like, you know, hey, or, or a few like, hey, you know, they, they might get there. And there, I think this class was, is as good as the 23 class, but the way that the depth has has come together at some of these spots opportunity just doesn't really there's not a lot of value proposition to playing some of these guys who probably could do okay if if they did play but that's a pretty good group uh, to watch as we come out of camp we'll see what happens as they get into that four game threshold as the season begins which is rapidly approaching we'll have plenty more blue white breakdown um, before and during the season johnny i think you and i are going to be back doing you know some hybrid recruiting and uh and and team uh, podcast weekly during the season. I think that's the, that's in the cards. Uh, we'll have Bob and Dave and, and all that. So stay tuned uh, to the Blue White Breakdown. It's available anywhere you can get podcasts. Also, all the other content that Bob, Johnny, and Dave are, are putting together, penlive.com slash Penn State Football to check us out there as well. And we'll see you next time here on the Blue White Breakdown. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live.